Good morning. What a joy it is to welcome you to our special Easter service. In reality, I guess, it's you who are welcoming me. You're taking me into your homes, and that's a privilege. I've been longing to catch up with you all. I'm missing the handshakes and the hugs, the touch of love. But today, I can see you in my mind's eye. Near the front here, we have Gabby and Joe, and Josie's home for the weekend. And over near the window, Joshie's sitting with his mum and dad, Vanessa and Jim. Flora and Gordon are just back here, halfway down in this section of the church. And upstairs in the front row is Mark and Wendy. And behind them, Luke and Rochelle. And my house, cute seekers, and how quickly he's growing. And here we have Michaela and Enos, and at the back, John and Karen. Well, that's what I'd like to see. Though we can't see each other, we really are together. We might be watching this on Sabbath afternoon or Sabbath morning. We might be far away from each other. We've got some visitors too. It's good to have you. I think I have family watching from Adelaide. In our new reality, time and space are warped. On this Easter Sabbath, our worship team are exploring the reality of Jesus. I've experienced the reality of Jesus in the kindness that many of you have shown our family in these weeks since we lost our beloved John. You've been the hands and feet of Jesus. You've called in when that was allowed. You've sent cards with beautiful words in them. You've sent flowers, baskets of fruit. And there's been the practical help. Shirley and Greg gave the garden a good sort out and now it's a joy and you've brought the most delicious home-cooked meals. Thank you. Now, the phone and text messages and email and all those other wonderful technologies are my lifeline. We can still stay connected even though we're separated from each other. And we can connect with Jesus. The Gospels give us a vivid picture of the life of Jesus. We can see him touching a leper, reaching out and grabbing Peter's hand and hauling him to safety. And we can see him holding a little child. And if we dare, we can watch that terribly unjust trial. We can see a friend betraying him we can see him cruelly killed. And then we can see the risen Christ. He is risen indeed. With the Holy Spirit working in us, Jesus can become a reality, mysterious though that is. My lovely brother-in-law, Brian, alerted me to an article in last week's record it was written by Judy Fuhr, and like Brian, I was very moved by it. And I'd like to use a few sentences from it 
This is what Judy writes. When Jesus left heaven and his sandaled feet walked the dusty roads of Palestine, he became one of us. He was often tired and lonely. He felt so alone on the cross. He walks the dusty roads of our lives with us and he truly identifies with our sorrows and disappointments. In our darkest times, he gently says, it's okay. I know what you're going through. Hold on just a little longer. We're almost home. That is the reality of Jesus. He promised to be with us always. Good morning, church. I'm standing here sending you a virtual hug. Church is so different. Life is so different and things have changed so much. You just cannot believe how much I miss seeing you all. It's been a tough March and start to April for everyone. And there's no normal anymore. So we need to look at doing church in a new way. We need to stay strong and hang in there through the hardships of life. We need to care for each other, make phone calls to each other, make video calls, share our Facebook posts, our e-news updates. We need to communicate a lot more with each other, connect the best we can. And I want to remind you today, before I start my sermon, to be faithful with your tithes and offerings. It allows us to keep functioning as a church. Remember to be faithful to God through the hardships of life. If possible, I'm going to invite you all to grab a $1 coin, a $1 coin and hold it in your hand because you'll need it for today's sermon. And uh, I want to make some announcements. One, the first one is we're not having a combined lunch after church. The second one is, is that I won't be shaking hands with you. I'd love a virtual handshake and hug after church. And uh, I also have some books to give away, but we'll have to wait till later have some books that I've been collecting. I want to give them away later on. I hope that uh, some of you get to enjoy them. I'd like to, uh, for you to open your Bibles to the book of John, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. <clears throat> and it reads like this. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the sun does not have life. Our foxtail box at home had been playing up for a little while. So after waiting on the phone for over an hour to talk to tech support, Foxtel finally decided to send me a technician. As soon as I met the technician at the door, I realised that he was a Middle Eastern man. He introduced himself as Ahmed. After a bit of chatter, we, um, and he, while he started to fix the box, um, he told me that his workload had been cut down from five days to three days. He told me that in February he'd purchased a $50,000 work van and a whole lot of tools so that he could be the best technician around. He shared how he lived in uh, close to the Parramatta area and had a family of five to feed. <clears throat> and he mentioned how life was getting tough. 
getting harder by the day. I asked him to wait a while and while he was fixing the box I came back and I gave him a few Woolworths vouchers for food. You'll have to excuse me, my voice is going. <clears throat> he asked me why I was so generous. I told him that I was a Christian and that I loved helping people. He then asked me what I did for a living. I hesitated at first because when I tell people that I'm a pastor, they don't know what to say. But I said to him, look, I'm a pastor. And he said to me, I'm a Muslim, so you must be like an imam, a holy man. Um, I responded with, with well, um, <clears throat> my wife wouldn't say I'm a holy man, but yeah, I love serving Jesus. I'm a pastor. And he immediately asked me to, to share what Easter means and what, who Jesus is. So I told him that Jesus is the greatest person who ever lived and his mission was to seek and save the lost. I said to him, he died on the cross a brutal death for you and me. And he rose again and offers you and me eternal life. And I said to Ahmed, Jesus wants you to live life to the full and he offers salvation to whoever believes in him. So I mentioned John 3.16 to him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, for whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Ahmed's response was, I never knew that Jesus died for the whole world. And I said to Ahmed, well, the thing is that he died, but Easter is all about Jesus' resurrection, about him coming back to life. And I said to him, I asked him, can I pray for you? And as he sheepishly said yes, I quickly said, Lord, please bless my new brother Ahmed, please bless his family, allow him to get heaps of work, keep him safe and well, in Jesus' name, amen. And uh, yeah, when he left, I prayed for him again. I want to share with you a story of, about Professor Peter Stoner. He was the head of the mathematics department and astronomy departments at Pasadena College. He gave 600 students a math probability problem that would determine the odds of one person fulfilling eight specific, specific prophecies found in the Bible. For example, let me share a quick eight for you. <clears throat> the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, a messenger will prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah will enter Jerusalem as a king riding on a donkey. The Messiah will be betrayed by a friend and suffer wounds in his hands, and so on and so on. So there's eight prophecies. First, the students had to calculate the odds of one person fulfilling all the conditions in one specific prophecy, such as being uh, betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. Then the students did their best to estimate the odds for all of the eight prophecies combined. The students calculated the odds of one person fulfilling all the eight prophecies. The results were astronomical. They said that it was one in 10 to the 21st power. Now, I'm not a mathematician. <clears throat> I've always struggled with maths. 
but in essence they're saying that it's almost impossible for it to happen. Now if you're a mathematician this will probably make sense to you. 1 in 10 to the 21st power. Now if you're not understanding the equation I want you to grab that silver coin that I asked you to hold earlier. And to illustrate this Professor Stoner gave the following example. He said, first of all, blanket the entire earth landmass with gold coins 36 metres high. So let's pick the Castle Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. Can we get one of the cameras just to look above, if that's possible? One of the cameras. <clears throat> yep, one of the cameras to look up. Let's pick this church and say we have to cover the whole earth with one dollar coins as high as our church roof, but wait, there's more, more to come. While that camera looks up, 30, that's church roof three times over. So that's from the carpet to the highest part of the church ceiling, three times over. So one coin would have to blanket the whole earth, the round earth, right, 36 metres high filled with coins. Second, he said to mark one of those dollar coins with a fluoro pen and then bury it somewhere. And thirdly, ask one person to travel the earth to find that coin while blindfolded. Can you imagine the possibility of finding one dollar coin 33, 36 metres high of all the coins spread around the earth and you're blindfolded. It would never happen. Now people can do some pretty squishy things with numbers so it's important to note that Stoner's work was reviewed by the American Scientific Association which stated the following. The mathematical analysis is based upon principles of probability which are thoroughly sound. And Professor Stoner has applied these principles in a proper and convincing way. The point, of course, is that when people say that the fulfilment of Jesus' prophecy, the prophecy in the life of Jesus was accidental, they don't know what they're talking about. Keep in mind that Jesus didn't just fulfill eight prophecies, he fulfilled almost a hundred or more. There's no coincidence that Jesus lived on earth and just happened to die on a cross and then come back to life later. Your salvation was planned thousands of years ago. And Jesus' mission statement is found in the following verses. Luke 19.10. Open your Bibles with me while you're at home sitting in your lounges. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Matthew 1.21 um, the angel is speaking with Joseph and says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The reality is, Jesus came to earth to save you and to save me. And salvation can only be obtained by believing that God sent his son to earth to forgive us our sins, to save every human. 
Christianity is summed up in these words. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's the heart of the gospel. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And every other religion says it backwards. Every other religion says that we have to seek. And as my newfound friend Ahmed told me, he has to do certain things to earn his salvation. Now I need to let you know that I absolutely respect my Muslim brothers. I do so with all people of different faiths. I'm sharing my discussion that I had with Ahmed. And when we meet Jesus, everything changes. And I love what Jesus says. He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And who is Jesus? We can read Colossians 1. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. And for your homework, I want you to read Colossians 1 from verses 15 all the way to the end of 20. And further, if you want, we learn that Jesus is all-powerful and almighty. Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost by giving my life. And I love the story found in the book of Matthew 11. So John the Baptist is in prison and he sends a, mis a message to Jesus asking the following. But I love Jesus' response before we, we read that. Jesus doesn't answer with a yes. He doesn't ridicule John. He doesn't make himself look important. Jesus isn't offended by the question. For me, it's a rhetorical question from God, from John. Matthew 11 says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised and the good news you proclaim to the poor. That there, my brothers and sisters and young people, is Jesus' mission statement. It's what he spent his life doing. It's what he was passionate about. It's what he loved to do. It's what he prayed about every day in solitude. All our seeking, all our trying to reach the divine in our own is silenced when we learn that the divine has already reached down to us by becoming one of us. Jesus Christ, the greatest thing that he ever did is that he had one mission, one thing that he majored in. That one thing is humanity. He majored in humanity, you and me and the millions of people around the globe Jesus' one, number one priority were those who were sick, lonely, who were wondering what's going to happen with them. People like you and me today, people who are depressed and hopeless, people who have gotten themselves entangled in suffocating habits and destructive relationships, people who are sick and who are not getting better. I love this thought. Jesus People were Jesus' number one purpose. And I admire this about Jesus. I'm in awe of how he loved people in the Bible and I'm flabbergasted how he can love you and me today. And I love how he saves me and continues to save me in my life, in my mess. And Jesus has never asked us to be perfect when we come to him. 
He does all the work, all the changing, all the miracles. He came to seek and save the lost and still does today. Do you know someone who's lonely? Do you know someone who's broken? Do you know someone who's depressed and feeling lonely? Do you know one, someone who's not getting along with others? That's happening, happening a lot at homes now with kids and husbands and wives having to stay together and closed in, in their homes. Do you know someone who has failed? Do you know someone who is hurting other people? Do you know someone who needs Jesus? He's the only one who can offer us peace, hope, healing and salvation. And so to close this morning, I want to share with you a story. My friend Joe is getting a haircut from his barber, Michael. And Joe's a committed Christian who loves to talk about his love for Jesus to other people, especially his hairdresser. And when the haircut is over, Michael, his barber, says to him, I don't believe in God. Their silence. Joe doesn't know what to say because he's always shared his faith with his barber, Michael. He's always told him about what Jesus has done for him. Then Michael, the barber, continues, if God existed, there wouldn't be any suffering or pain, hunger, homelessness, nor this wretched virus. Michael said, in my opinion, God doesn't exist. And if he did exist, why would he allow for so much suffering and pain to continue? Joe pays the bill and walks out the door with a heavy heart. He so much wanted to talk and defend his Jesus. As Joe walks out of the barber shop, he notices a tall middle-aged man leaning on the barber shop window to his left as he walks out. So he looks at him and he can't help notice that this man has long hair, a long beard and a red t-shirt, an angry bird t-shirt. He's wearing denim jeans. He has Apple headphones on and he's listening to music and he's tapping away at his thighs as he's listening to his music. And then Joe starts to smile and his smile turns into laughter. And he knows immediately that God answered his prayer. Before he knows it, Joe is standing back inside the barber shop with this long-haired man who's wearing the red angry, the, the red angry bird t-shirt. And Joe says to Michael, Michael, um, I want to say something to you. You know something, Joe, uh, Michael? I don't believe barbers exist. Michael is stunned and he responds by saying, I just cut your hair. So who am I then? I'm a barber and I definitely exist. No, you don't, says Joe. Joe continues, barbers don't exist because if they did, we wouldn't have any long-haired people like this man in our world today and our world is full of many men and women who have long hair. Michael the barber says, of course barbers exist. The problem is that long-haired louts like the man standing next to you, they don't come in to see me for a haircut. 
then Joe calmly responds with the following. That's exactly what's happening in the world today. That's the challenge we face. God does exist. God loves and cares and he sent his only son to earth to die for you and me. The problem today is that many won't come to God. Many won't believe and choose not to. That's why there's so much misery, heartache, sickness, health issues and death. And the only cure is Jesus. The only cure for our world today is Jesus. I'm reminded of Andre Crouch's song. I'm an Andre Crouch fa fan. I must say the late Andre Crouch. And Easter, Easter reminds me of that. The song goes like this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. And he repeats that same two verses over and over again. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. And I'm just wondering why did the late Andre Crouch write these two lines and repeat them over and over and over again? And the only, only response that I can come up with is because we don't get it. My dear brothers and sisters, the only cure for the world today is Jesus. And as the world seeks a vaccine for COVID-19, the reality is that there's only one cure for our broken world today, and that is Jesus. John 1, 5, 11 to 12 says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I choose life. I choose the Son, Jesus Christ. Do you? I want to invite you today to accept the Son, to accept Jesus Christ and make him the most important person in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your kindness, for your care, your goodness. Thank you that at this time in earth's history, we can call on you, we can come to you, and we can lay everything at your feet. All our cares, our concerns, our failures, our worries, our health. And as the world changes rapidly, we ask that one thing not change, and that is our relationship with you. May that grow. May that grow abundantly. Father, protect us all from harm, danger and evil. Allow us to connect with each other in loving ways. Allow us to care deeply for each other via phone calls and text messages and other mediums, Lord, other ways. Please bless us abundantly. We pray for those who are really feeling the solitude. May you inspire us to ring them to talk to them, to tell them how valuable they are and how much they're missed. And Father, I want to tell you that I miss my church family and I know many are feeling the same. 
Father, as I finish this prayer, may we all raise our hands. Raise our hands to try and reach to you and say, Father, we love you, we honour you, and we just want to call on you every minute of the day to help us and guide us. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, who is alive and well today and who loves us dearly. Amen.